All right, we're glad you're here this morning for Sunday School class and uh, appreciate those who maybe are tuning in live and uh, just a couple of uh, prayer requests real quick. I want to mention Ann Hubner. Uh, she's having tests done tomorrow and then uh, Vir- she's not feeling well. And then Virginia Andrews, uh, she's having surgery tomorrow morning. And so we need to keep those two in prayer. And, uh, and I know that they will certainly appreciate it. And I know a lot of people are, uh, you know, sick and not feeling well sometimes and uh, difficulties. But, uh, but these were mentioned and brought to my attention. So if uh, again, if you ever have a prayer request, be sure, fill out a card and, uh, and let us know about it, and uh, we will keep that in prayer. And so those two things we're going to pray about. Also, this morning, Sunday school, um, the ladies in the office, my wife, uh, is always saying, hey, fill out the attendance slips. And it's, I forget. Um, and so I need to let you know. So right now, grab one of those attendance slips in the pew pocket in front of you and, uh, and just put your name and uh, we don't need all your information. We, you, we have it. Now, if you're new or something has changed, then fill out that and, uh, and put all that information in there. But otherwise, we just need your name and the service that you attended. And uh, my wife is in Sunday school class, so she doesn't always see who's here in Sunday school. And, uh, and then we, we go from Sunday school to church. And then on Monday morning, she's asking me and I'm saying, I don't remember what I preached in Sunday school, much less all the people that are there. And uh, uh, I don't remember. I, I do try and take note and I do try and pay attention. But man, I just I, I need to upgrade my RAM of my memory because I just can't remember all that stuff. And so uh, if you fill that out, somebody said a, a short pencil is better than a long memory any day. And so take your short pencil and fill that out, and that will help my short memory because uh, it will be noted down. So if you could do that, and then at the end of service, just drop that in the offering box, and uh, we will certainly appreciate that if you would uh, take care of that. We'll, we'll thank you for that. And then I also need to say, I said on Wednesday night, but uh, perhaps some did not hear it. Uh, this is more pertains to our live streamers, not so much to you, but last Sunday our live stream didn't go out at all. I mean, it didn't, I, Monday, and I, we were not aware of that, so I apologize to those who maybe uh, tuned in live stream and they would, were not able to find us, and uh, our call-in worked, but our live stream, zilch, nada, not, not Sunday school, not Sunday night, not Sunday morning, nothing, so, uh, and we were back there, we hit all the buttons and everything looked good there, but uh, nothing went out, so it happens, but uh, uh, so just apologies to those people and hopefully it's working today maybe maybe i'm saying all this as i'm going out i don't know we'll find out tomorrow um so uh but uh all right well let's go to the lord in prayer uh before we and remember these two that i had mentioned and uh, and others and let's pray father we thank you just for your goodness to us thank you father for uh the opportunity that we have to come to you in prayer god uh we know that you're listening at all times and god what a in all reality, Father, as, as your children, what a privilege it is to be able to come to you in prayer at any given moment, any given time, at any given circumstance, in any given problem. God, we thank you uh, for that privilege. God, I pray that you would just be with these two that were mentioned, especially, God, those uh, that are having tests and having surgery. And, and God, you know their health. You know uh, what's going on, Father. And God, I pray that you'd be with them, help them, and strengthen them. God, I pray for our services. I pray for our, each of our classes. God, I pray that you would bless them. I pray, God, that you would um, that you would just use each of our teachers as they teach this morning. God, I pray that you'd be with each of the 
kids that are there, uh, that you would just touch their hearts, help them to learn, Father, uh, more about you. And God, I pray that you would just again bless our services this morning. And Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians 5. Welcome to those that are in the couples class. There are uh, Jeremy and Andrea are away on vacation, so they're joining us in this class uh, this morning, and we appreciate them being a part of it and uh, kind of jumping in. We're, we're in the middle of a lesson, really, uh, that we've been working on for a few weeks now in Galatians chapter 5, talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and we've talked about the decision to uh, walk in the Spirit. We talked about choosing. We talked about living in the Spirit, and really we talked about the works of the flesh as well and how they, uh, they very clearly come out. There's no, uh, we don't advocate working on the works of the flesh. You don't have to. They just automatically come out. They're natural. Uh, you got to work on covering those and not doing those, all right? Uh, and that is walking in the Spirit, and that is the fruit of the Spirit uh, that will help us not fulfill the, the works of the flesh, because certainly they're contrary the one to the other. And so in Galatians chapter number 5, and verse number 22, uh, we'll take our text where we have been. Last week we looked at the fruit of the Spirit of love. And, uh, and we covered that, and we covered how uh, that is to be uh, what it is, really, and how it's to be shown in our life, and how uh, really that is God living and working through our lives. And so this week, we're going to look at the fruit of joy. And uh, Jay Gold, the American millionaire, said, I suppose I am the most miserable man on earth. Could you imagine that? Somebody who has a million dollars and all of you are sitting here saying, man, if I had a million dollars, I don't think I'd be the most miserable man on earth, all right? I'm sure we could find uh, people that are more miserable than us. Uh, but, but that just goes to show and it goes to prove that, uh, that listen, money cannot buy happiness. It cannot buy joy. Uh, joy does not come from our possessions, uh, and having wealth on this world. Alexander the Great, after he had conquered the known world, wept, there are no more worlds to be conquered. Now, that was his complaint. Could you imagine uh, having controlled as much as he did and, and, uh, and then saying, well, there's nothing else to do. Uh, really, if you think about power and you think about possessions and you think about pleasure, we all can think of many people or many examples of those things and how people have acquired those things and find their life largely unfulfilled because those things cannot produce joy in our life. And so people may seek joy through riches and through pleasure and power and uh, even intoxication and uh, yet lasting joy is not to be found in those things. True joy is elusive to those in search of it. I'm talking about the world, by and large. It's elusive. They, don't, they do not find joy. We could go on and on. There were other examples, but I'll not bring them out. Uh, but there were lots of examples, really, of, of worldly people with ha that have many things, but they do not have joy in their life. Uh, and there's, there's so many examples of that because it's elusive to them. Uh, the joy of... Uh, and so people are missing the mark when it, when it comes to finding authentic, true, lasting joy in life. This can only come as a fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, in verse number 22, the Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And again, the Spirit, uh, we talked about this the very first lesson, at the, the moment we get saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us. And uh, listen, if we allow the Holy Spirit to have control of our life, that would be walking in the Spirit. We covered that several weeks ago. That would be saying, God, I want you to control my life. Then we will exhibit these fruits. These fruits will start to bear out in our life the fruit of love and the fruit of joy that we're going to look at today. And how important it is. The Bible says this in uh, Philippians 4.4. Uh, It says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. What a wonderful verse uh, that is. And and you say, well, pastor, you don't know the uh, the problems and the difficulties that I'm going through. Uh, Listen, I, I might not. You're right. I probably don't. But you know what? God does. And you know what God said? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He said it twice. And so uh, you say, well, we can rejoice even in problems, even in tribulations, and even in difficulties in this life. We're going to certainly look at that today and find out where does that joy come from? How can we have joy in the midst of tribulation? How can we have joy in the midst of problems? It is possible because the joy is not from us. It is from the Spirit of God that lives and dwells within us. And so uh, we can certainly see that. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Um, well over 125 times, some form of the word joy and rejoice occur in the New Testament. Joyous, rejoice, joy, uh, 125 times just in the New Testament. So we see uh, that, that, listen, the joy of God can exist in our hearts and it's our job to reveal it to those around us. And so as we think about this idea of joy, it is a fruit of the Spirit. I want you to notice this, that uh, joy begins at salvation. Uh, We've talked about the fact that uh, the world uh, does not does not have the same joy we have. We're, lo- we're looking at, actually, I should have gave you this, the reasons for our joy, okay? The reasons for our joy is joy begins at salvation. Uh, so the very first thing is the reasons for our joy, and that's, of course, salvation would be number one. The Bible says in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. What a verse. Uh, I mean, clearly he says, uh, I'll read it again. It's, it's Romans 15, 13. You can flip over there if you want. It's just a cup back a couple of pages. Well, a couple of books, maybe. Um, Romans 15, 13. It says this, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In other words, Uh, Hey, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and being saved uh, in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power. I love this part of the Holy Ghost. In other words, that it's God that gives you that joy. It's the Holy Ghost that dwells inside of you that brings that joy. And that happens at salvation. Hey, listen, if you think about salvation, I don't care on your worst day here in in your lifetime. And you could imagine your worst day. We'll take worse than your worst day. We'll take Job's worst day in this world. 
that was a pretty bad day, to be honest with you. I, I don't know, and maybe, maybe I'm mistaken, but I, I don't think probably anybody in this room uh, would have had as bad a day as Job had. I mean, he lost everything. He lost all his sons in one day. He lost all his possessions in one day. He lost everything. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, I mean, he was sick and he had boils and he had this and all kinds of health ailments. Uh, and, and that was, I mean, he lost it all. And we find that even in losing it all on your worst day, hey, listen, you have the promise and security of heaven if you're born again. I mean, if you think about it, we cannot lose that. Uh, that is something that we can rejoice over. That is something that will say, hey, I'm glad that I have something to look forward to. On top of that, you think about this in salvation. Hey, listen, the burden, guilt, and shame and debt of sin are gone. Hey, praise the Lord that all of our past has been washed away. The Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, he removed our sins. Aren't you glad he didn't say north from south? You know, if you travel north, you'll hit a point where you will eventually start to go south. You can find a point on the globe that, uh, that if you step this way, uh, you'll be in the south. If you step this way, you'll be in the north. You can find the point that those two ends meet. But on the earth, you travel east, and you'll never find the point where you go west. Uh, there is no point. It just continues and goes and goes and goes. And, uh, and there's no dividing line. And so uh, there's nothing to separate the east from the west. And what he's saying is he's removed our sins that far from us. And when you became a child of God, when you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, praise the Lord, he took the slate and he wiped it completely clean. And he said, hey, there's no more. There's no debt of sin here. There's no guilt for sin here. There's no, uh, there's no uh, shame for, for, for any of it. It's all in the past. It is all covered. It is all under the blood. And man, I tell you what, that ought to bring joy in your life. Uh, the fact that everything has gone and, and you've got a clean, uh, clean start and a fresh slate and, and a home that's promised you in heaven. Uh, the Bible says, this is one of my favorite verses for eternal security. You know why? Because we all know it. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know what that is? Life that's not going to end. In your worst day on this world, you think, man, I've got life eternal in heaven. And listen, even if you did lose everything, and even if you did lose uh, all of your possessions and all of your family, it would be sad. Yes, I'm not saying it wouldn't be sad. There would be uh, tears shed. Yes, there, there would be tears shed. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't shed tears. But I am saying you, there is a hope within you. There's some spark that says, you know what? I may have lost everything, but I have something eternal that I'm looking forward to. And it's greater than anything that's here on this earth. And that ought to produce joy in our life. The Bible goes on and it says in Luke 10, Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not the, uh, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. What a blessing. To know that, hey, if you're a child of God, if you're saved, if you've been born again, that your name is recorded in the, in the book of heaven. And, uh, and that, listen, that will never, 
be erased out of there. You know, the Ethiopian eunuch, we talked about baptism last week and uh, last Sunday morning, rather, not Sunday school. And uh, after he was baptized, the Bible says uh, that he went on his way rejoicing. Listen, there's something, no, there's something good about just knowing that everything between you and God is right. And when you get saved and when you trust the Lord as your own personal Savior, it just puts you on a good, uh, a good slate with God. And it says, you know what? You're accepted on God's terms. Not because of what I am. Not because of what I've done. Because we don't have any righteousness of our own. But based on the, uh, the shed blood of Calvary and that Jesus Christ paid for your sins and said, listen, it's all covered. It's all under the blood, we say. And, and praise the Lord, we can say, man, I can go to the Father without guilt, without shame, knowing, hey, my name is written down and I have a home for all of eternity. And, uh, and, and, and just having that peace with God and a right relationship with God says, man, I know he's my father. One time, uh, you ever had something uh, that, uh, that you've, you did or maybe you didn't do and, uh, and, and, and you knew somebody was expecting you to do it? I'll give you an example. When I was, um, when I was a missionary... I had to fill out paperwork every, uh, every quarter. We had to do our financial reports, and I always had to fill them out and send them in. And, and sometimes just in traveling and just especially when we got to the States and we were just on the road constantly, and I found it very difficult to sit down and actually tally everything up and stay on top of everything. And, and sometimes, uh, don't tell anyone, I know, I know you won't believe this, I got behind on my paperwork. And, uh, and my quarterly reports were due. And, uh, and we were heading to Tennessee because we were having a special meeting with the mission board and, and, uh, and all the missionaries were going to be there and, and the financial secretary was going to be there. I'm like, I know my paperwork's not done. And I know she's waiting on my paperwork. I'm supposed to have my paperwork done and I have my paperwork. You know what I did? Man, I made sure that I was at the other end of the room than her. I, I didn't go by and shake her hand and say, hey, how you doing? I'm glad that you're here. And No, no, I, I, avoid, I stayed away from her. Why? I mean, if she moved that out, I moved to the other side of the room, and I was talking to everyone else. Why? Because I, I knew I was, there, was, there, was, there was pending paperwork. It was not done. I had not completed my job. And, uh, and I knew that. Hey, listen, with sin is that thing that's between us and God. But when your sins are all washed away, when everything is good, Hey, you don't have a reason to be fearful of God. You know why some people stay away from church? You know why some people stay away from the word of God? Because they've got that pending thing between them and God. They know it. They're aware of it. That's why they're staying at the opposite end of the room of, of where God is at. If God's there, they don't want to be there. Because they know they're not right. They know there's something there. And, uh, and, and they don't have it right. So uh, having a clean slate with God n will bring joy to your life. Somebody once said this, joy is the flag which is flown, flown from the castle of the heart when the king is in residence there. What a great statement. I'll read it again. Joy is the flag which is flown from the castle of the heart when the king, the Lord Jesus Christ, is in residence there. So joy begins at salvation. We're talking about reasons for our joy. We find joy is a fruit of the Spirit. We saw that even in Romans 15, 13. In the verse that we said, uh, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. 
Uh, listen, the Holy Ghost helps us to have that fruit of, of the Spirit. Uh, back in Romans 14 and verse number 17, we have another verse. And it says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So uh, we find that the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, that would be the same person, uh, it brings us joy in our life. They help us. He helps us to produce and have joy. Listen, even on the, as I was mentioning, a bad day or a bad situation, uh, listen, it's the Holy Spirit that dwells in, inside of us that might remind us and say, hey, you're still saved. You're still a child of God. And besides the fact of having a clean slate and having our, our, our names written down in, in the book of life, listen, we have the Holy Spirit, we have God to walk through every problem with us. We're not on our own. And He's there to go through those situations with us. He's there to strengthen us. And, uh, and He's there to help us in all of those trials and all those tribulations. And I'm, I, I'll tell you what, I've said it many times. I just do not understand how a lost person goes through the world and goes through life, rather, and goes through the problems that are just normal, everyday problems that people face. I mean, uh, all of us, at some point, will have a, a lost loved one pass away. It's just going to happen. It's inevitable. It's just part of life. And so it happens to save people. It has to, happens to lost people. And I scratch my head all the time, and I think to myself, how on earth do lost people get through that? I mean, I can console myself with God. I can talk to the Lord about it. I can, I can be reassured by God that, uh, that, that for whatever situation, and that's just one example, but lost people, they don't have that relationship with God. And so that ought to give us joy. It is a fruit of the Spirit that God dwells within us and that He helps us through those problems. Uh, joy is a disposition produced by the Holy Spirit. I wrote this down. This was really good. The world says, the world all around us says, uh, app or it promotes this rather. Appetite says, be sensuous, enjoy yourself. Education says, be resourceful, expand yourself. Materialism says, be satisfied, please yourself. Uh, psychology says, be confident, fulfill yourself. Pride says, be superior, promote yourself. Humanism says, be capable, believe in yourself. But God says, be wise, humble yourself. What a, what a fabulous uh, saying, whoever wrote that down. And that's what the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Listen, if we're humble enough to say, God... I can't make it through this situation. I can't make it through this day. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your grace to be able to go through this problem or this difficulty. Uh, listen, we have, the, we have uh, God and we have the Holy Spirit that dwells within us to lean on to help us to get through every day. Those are the reasons for our joy. How about the resilience of our joy? If we think about that, the resilience of our joy. We've talked about bad times and difficult times. And uh, life truly is full of ups and downs. There's no doubts about it. 
Uh, you know, sometimes things are good. I mean, in my life, I can look back and I can see uh, things that were, were good times and I can see things that were hard times and difficult times. But I'm grateful that through it all, the Lord is with us. And we're, we, we really we can think about the resilience of our joy. Uh, so while you may be up and while you may be down or maybe you're halfway going up or halfway coming down, we don't know, but everyone might be in a different spot. Our joy should not be up and down and up and down and up and down. Our joy should be kind of a constant line through it all. Uh, our joy shouldn't fluctuate with our circumstances because our circumstances cannot and will not provide joy. That's what the world is promoting that your circumstances will provide joy. Well, the Holy Spirit is the one that provides joy. This can be clearly seen as we, uh, if you think about the book of Nehemiah. What happened in the book of Nehemiah? Well, the nation of Israel had been taken captive and carried away uh, off as, as captives. And, uh, and they burned and destroyed Jerusalem. Now, for the Christian... That was terrible. I mean, Jerusalem was their sacred city. That was the place that David had built the temple of God. And so it was a very important place to them uh, that, that for, for the Jewish nation. And the fact that it had been destroyed and the temple had been desecrated was a terrible, it was a low for them. But as they were there in captivity in the book of Nehemiah, they go back and, and, uh, and Nehemiah... Uh, started writing the king. He became very concerned about this. He said, man, we need to go back to Jerusalem. We need to rebuild the walls and we need to reestablish the temple of God. He became very burdened about that. And he started doing that. And, he wrote, and, and in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8 and verse number 10, as he was talking with uh, the nation of Israel there as they had gone back and they had already kind of worked on restoring the walls and then the, uh, uh, the, the Bible was read publicly. If you were to open up to Nehemiah 8 and read the context there, you'd find that they had opened the Word of God and they read it publicly. And as they read the Word of God publicly, uh, some of the people began to weep. And why did they weep? They weeped because they realized how far they had drifted from God. And they had. They had drifted quite some way. Um, that was God's judgment that the, uh, the nation of, uh, of Babylon would come in and, and, and take over and carry them away captive. But in Nehemiah 8.10, he says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat fat, and drink the sweet. Amen. We like that, we like that phrase. You can highlight that, memorize that portion of the Bible uh, and, and quote that. Uh, but he goes on and he says, To send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What a great phrase. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And we look at the larger picture and we look at the fact that, hey, we are saved and it will cause our joy to be resilient through the lowest valley and through the darkest of days and through the hardest of times that our joy would be resilient, not because, because we're happy-go-lucky people, but rather because our hope and our faith is placed in God and not things on this earth. And we can see that clearly. And so the resilience of our joy should be very resilient. Go with me to 1 Peter. I want you to see this in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. He talks about the suffering. And there is joy in suffering. You say, joy in suffering? Yes, we could go through the book of Acts and you could find time and time again. I love the Apostle Paul and I love his life. But, but you go back and, and you look at the Apostle Paul 
and, and how he was, um, he, was, he was beaten and he was thrown in prison. And, and the Bible says that at midnight, Paul and Silas, what did they begin to do? They began to sing praises. Wait a minute, how do you do that? I don't know, I can tell you probably if it was me, I probably would have been moping and whining. You know, I'm just saying, man, I was trying to do right and I got beaten and now I'm thrown in jail and I don't know if I'll ever get out of here. I mean, I'm just saying, that's, that's how you and I probably would have looked at it. But Paul said, hey, we're serving the Lord. And Peter talks about suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 6. Uh, 1 Peter 1, 6, the Bible says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. He's talking about trials. Verse 7, he clarifies that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto, the, unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, not, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Verse 6, he talks about the manifold temptations. That would be the many, the multiple trials that were coming around their, in their life and in their, uh, their day and age. Listen, there's, sometimes there are seasons or times of difficulty in life. There just are. And it seems like they, uh, they come and they go. Uh, but he's saying, listen, even during those times, verse 7, those trials are precious. Not that they're enjoyable, mind you. He's not saying that we, uh, we, we love trials and we tribula tribulations and we embrace them and we look for them. Though sometimes I think some people may do that. I don't know why. But uh, some people, they just do that. But he's saying they come and they're precious. They're not, he didn't call it enjoyable, he called it precious. He said more precious than gold that perisheth. In other words, more valuable, something that is of more value in our life than even of gold. And he goes on in verse 8 and he says why? Uh, or rather, in the end of verse 7, that it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. In other words, hey, that our life would be strengthened at the appearing of Christ Jesus. He's talking about when Jesus comes again, when Jesus uh, pulls us out of this earth. And then he goes on in verse 8, Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know, Paul and Silas singing in the prison, you know what that was? It was joy unspeakable and full of glory. It, it's just amazing that Christians can, can rejoice in trials and tribulations. We don't rejoice because of those trials and tribulations, but we rejoice in them. Why? Because, hey, we're focused on something better. We've got a, we've got a, a better end to the story than, than what others may see. And, uh, and, and not only is there joy in their suffering, they suffered, there's joy in trials as well. James, we don't, you don't need to go there, but James 
chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, uh, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have a perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And listen, those trials uh, will, will, will help us to have patience in this life. And it, sometimes it's not easy, but there is a joy throughout the trial and throughout the tribulations because of what comes about in our life. And then there's joy also, uh, not only in suffering, there's joy in trials, uh, but there's joy in persecution. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, he talks about that. He said, blessed are they uh, which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And listen, uh, maybe, you've, maybe you've suffered for being a Christian. Uh, I'm sure others, I'm, I'm sure there is some suffering that does take place. Sometimes uh, people won't promote you because you're a Christian or won't promote you. Well, uh, you won't work those Sundays, so you know what? We're not moving you on. And you say, well, I'm not working Sunday. I'm a Christian. I, I've dedicated that day to the Lord, and I'm not going to go to work. And, and, and they say, well, we're in, then we're not going to move you on, and you're not going to get promoted. Or maybe because you don't uh, do this, or you don't do that, or, or some other thing, you know, they, uh, they may harass you, and they may give you a hard time because you're a Christian. And listen, uh, it is, a, it is a, a form of persecution. Listen, there's persecution in the world that's worse than that. People being thrown in prison, people being jailed, people being killed because of being a Christian in, in, many, of the, uh, in the, many of the Muslim worlds today. Uh, and people are concerned, and rightfully so, about what's going on in Afghanistan and, and, and all the, uh, the problems with Christians. And I was reading up on it, I was just curious, and, and I found out that, uh, that Afghanistan, even before everything that took place was the second hardest place to live in the world as a Christian. In other words, if they, they find out that you're a Christian, um, they believe it's their religious job to kill you. And so uh, I'm just saying that exists in the world today. We don't know much about it here in America. Um, that's not to say that we won't ever know about it, but it, but it does. Uh, hey, it takes place. But I can tell you this. The Bible says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. And, uh, and I'm not saying that they enjoy it, but they can find joy through it because, hey, in the end, those who are persecuted and those who ultimately pay the greatest sacrifice and, and die for the cause of Christ always die pointing towards God and say, let him be glorified. You think about Stephen, the first martyr uh, in, the, in the Bible that was martyred in Acts chapter 7 or 6, right around there, uh, when he was, died. You know what he said? He said, lay not this sin to their charge. And, and he gave up the ghost. And you know what? They may not have realized it, but he was saying, hey, God forgive them. And, and what a testimony to God. What a testimony. Uh, others were, uh, there's another verse, and I, I don't remember where it is exactly, but, uh, but they count it a joy to have suffered for the cause of Christ. I believe it's in the book of Acts. And so what I'm saying is even in persecution, a joy can find joy, not, not happiness in that persecution, not saying, well, I'm glad I got to go through that, but rather a joy that said, hey, we are pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ and in the end, you can do what you want to my body because in the end, I know I'm going to heaven. 
And that's what the Bible says. He says, fear not those who are able to kill the body, uh, but rather those who are able to destroy the soul. And so, uh, listen, as a Christian, uh, there is joy and there can be joy uh, even in, in suffering and even in trials and even in persecutions. And we can see the resilience of our joy, that it ought to be a straight line. And our circumstances should not dictate the joy in our life. Now, I'm not saying that you won't be sad. You will be sad. There are days of sad. And there's nothing wrong with being sad. Um, sadness is, a, is an emotion, but don't let it steal your joy and don't let it uh, take your joy completely away. There is time for mourning and there's time for those things. Uh, but listen, our joy ought to be a constant in our life. And we say, well, yes, things may be bad right now, but praise the Lord, things will get better in the end. We see the reason for our joy. We see the resilience of our joy. I want you to see the revelation of our joy. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 3, you can turn over there, Proverbs 16, 3. We'll see the revelation of our joy. That would be how our joy is uh, exhibited to other people, how people will see the fruit of joy in our life. That would be the revelation that people could see it. Proverbs 16 and verse 3. He says, the Bible says, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. If everything we're doing in life is committed to God, then in the end we say, you know what? This is God's. I remember when I was in Peru, I, uh, I, was, I was a brand new missionary and uh, I, I had a, just bought a vehicle not too long. And I, I was not aware that this happened, but, um, but every time, because I'm white, and in Peru, they were, they were darker skinned. They, uh, they weren't black. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this. They, they appreciated it. They thought it was funny, all right? They said, they said when God made man, uh, he pulled the first one out of the oven, and he was all white. He said, oh, he's not done yet. So he stuck, him, stuck another one in. And, uh, and he waited longer, and he pulled him out, and he was black. He's like, oh, he's too done. And so he stuck another one in, and, uh, and he pulled him out, and he was nice tan. He said, oh, he's just right. That's the one. Th- that's what the Latins all told me, those jokes. And so, uh, but, uh, uh, but, but they, were, they were darker skinned than I was. And so they would see my little white face driving down the road, and the police, they don't pull you over. They don't drive around. They just stand on the side of the road. They have their car there, and they stand there, and and they, they see your little white face driving down the road, and they say, you, right here, and you pull over. And, uh, and I, never, I never dared not pull over. I was really tempted to look the other way a couple times, but I was always scared to because I thought, man, I don't know if they'll chase you down. I don't know what they'll do. I mean, it'd get really bad. But, uh, but so they pulled me over. And the first time I'd been pulled over, and I, I, was, I was pretty ignorant. I didn't know uh, anything really. And, and, and the guy come up to me and he says, let me have all your papers. And so I, man, I'm getting out my insurance. I'm getting out my international driver's license. I'm getting out my, uh, the, my, this and that and all the registration and all the, the nine yards of paperwork you have to have in order to do things in a foreign country. And so I give it all to him and, and he's looking all over it. And, and they all, they would do this. I got pulled over. I can't even tell you how many times in all the years I lived there. And, and so I got used to it, but, but, uh, they, w- they would always look for something, one little nitpicking thing. And they'd say, oh, this, you're, this ain't right. And, uh, and, and this time, I didn't know. I'm like, well, 
I, I don't know. And, and he's, like, he's like, well, how can we fix this? And I'm like, you're the policeman. You should know. I don't know. And, and he just kept saying, well, how can we fix this? And, and, and I, I understood that basically he was wanting money. And, and I said, well, I said, um, I said, well, I'm not, I'm not going to pay a bribe. And, oh, he got irate. I mean, because I used the word bribe. He was, he, was, he, was, he was hitting all around, but he wasn't about to say money. I mean, he just was hitting all around it, and I said it. And, and boy, he got irate. He said, we're going to the station. I said, okay. I said, this is not good. And, uh, and so he said, he said you, you follow me in your car. I'm like, okay. And, and so I'm driving, and, and immediately when he got in his car, I called the other missionary. I said, hey, hey brother. Uh, I said, I got a problem. I said, I got pulled over. I said, and they're going to take me to the station. And the policeman said he's going to impound my car. And he said, he said, well, don't, he said, don't let them impound your car. He said, they cannot, if they impound your car, it will be gone. He said, you will never see it again. He said, I'm telling you, don't let them impound your car. And, and I hung up the, the phone and he said, I'm, I'm coming down. He said, just wait, wait for me. And, and, uh, and, and I said, well, okay. And, and I, I hung up the phone, and I'm thinking, great. I just bought this vehicle, and I'm about to lose it, and, and I'm not going to pay this guy. And, and so I just started praying. I said, Lord, I said, you know what? This is your vehicle. You provided it for me. It's not my vehicle. And, and yes, I'm ignorant. I confess that. Um, but this is your problem because I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to do anything, but I, I didn't, I'm just trying to, to serve you, and this is your problem, and I don't know how to fix it. We got down to the station, and the missionary had been delayed, and so uh, they, they brought me in, and, and immediately the, the officer that brought me in, he was talking with the captain, and I was standing right there, and he, and he said, this guy threatened to hit me. And I thought to myself, I've never hit anybody in my life, and the first guy I'm going to hit is not going to be a police officer toting a gun. I'm not stupid. And, and, he, and he just, he was going on and on about how this guy threatened me, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And, and I just stood there quietly. I'm like, I had no, I don't know what to say, to be honest with you. And I thought, well, Lord, I don't know what to do. And uh, after a little while, the captain asked me and, and I said, well, I, you know, I, I just gave my paperwork and I don't know. And, uh, and I don't know after, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes at the station, I don't know how long it was, and, and the, the, the chief officer, he finally just gave me my paperwork. He said, here, you can go. I was like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what the problem was. But what I am saying is this. The Bible says, commit thy works unto the Lord. You know, when you're doing the Lord's work, you say, well, pastor, I, I work a secular job. Even if, you're, even if you're working a secular job, do you know that God said that you ought to serve your secular job like you're serving the Lord? And so even if you're doing a secular job, you are ultimately still serving the Lord because you're a saved person and you're there and, 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 and you're doing what God wants you to do. So, uh, so if you commit that to God and you say, God, and maybe something would come up and maybe some situation you say, God, this is your problem. I'm trying to do the best I can. Maybe I've been made mistakes. Maybe I've made errors, but uh, I'm trying to do the best I can. And, and God, I'm dependent upon you. When you commit your works to the Lord, the Bible says, thy thoughts shall be established. In other words, hey, 
your mind will be, uh, you're not going to be fretting and you're not going to be worried. You're not going to say, man, I don't know about this and I don't know about that. And, and, and listen, you can have that joy saying, well, I don't know what's going to come of all this, but you know what? God does. And I'm holding on to God's hand because he's a whole lot bigger than me and he knows a whole lot better than I do. And when you commit your works uh, to the Lord, then that fruit of joy and that peace that is in your life will, be, will, will come out and other people will see it. To this day, I have no idea why that police officer, the chief of police, said, you can get your papers and go. I think he, I, he saw I didn't react. I wasn't a violent person. I didn't get upset. I didn't yell. I didn't curse. I didn't scream. I, didn't, I just stood there. I honestly didn't know what to do. And, uh, and I think he saw all of that. And I think he probably saw the fruit of the Spirit, perhaps something that was there. And he said, you know what? I don't, I don't think everything is quite as it seems. I'm just going to let this guy go. And, uh, and you, what I'm saying is, when you commit your works, they can't be your works. They've got to be God's works. You say, God, I'm, I'm serving you and I'm working a job and I'm doing what you would have me to do. Then thy thoughts shall be established, the Bible says. The, it goes on in, in another verse. And we find that joy is revealed in our singing. Um, the Bible says, and you can just jot this down. We don't have time to go there. James 5.13, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. And uh, listen, well, Paul and Silas, what were they doing in jail? They were singing. In a time of persecution, in a time of trouble, yes, they were singing and joy was revealed in their singing. Listen, our joy can be revealed in our serving. You go back to uh, Acts chapter 20. Go there really quick. Let's, let's just look at that. I, I love this passage, Acts 20. And we find joy is revealed in our serving. Acts chapter 20, Paul is uh, an amazing uh, apostle. And, and I love the fact that his life is really recorded for us in the book of Acts. Many of the things that he did and went through. Acts chapter number 20, verse number 19. Uh, we won't read the whole passage for sake of time. Uh, but, but he is serving the Lord. He says there in verse number 19, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me, by the lying and weight of the Jews. In other words, the Jews that were trying and wanting to kill Paul. They were waiting for him. They had people set up at different places, and uh, many times Paul escaped. One time he was let down the wall in a basket. Another time uh, uh, somebody else alerted uh, uh, the captain of the guard that they were trying to kill Paul, and they got him out of there safely at a different time. And, and many times they tried to kill Paul. But look at down what he says in verse number 24. So as he's serving the Lord and with all the tears and with all the temptations, he says in verse 24, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. He wasn't just looking to finish his course. He was looking to finish his course with joy from, the, from God and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. We find that uh, joy is revealed in our singing. Joy is revealed in our serving and serving the Lord, even through difficult circumstances. Listen, uh, sometimes some of the people that uh, serve the Lord through difficult circumstances, other people look at them and they say, man, I'm inspired by that person's story. 
I, I'm blessed by that person's testimony. And uh, it is a blessing and joy is revealed in their serving. We find that joy is revealed in our stewardship. Look at verse number 35 of Acts chapter 20. I have showed you all things that how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so joy is revealed in our stewardship. And in Act, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he talks about those uh, who were in a deep trial of their affection, but they gave anyways. And then joy is also revealed in our soul winning. The Bible says in Psalms uh, 126 and verses 5 and 6, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And, uh, and so we see the revelation of our joy. It can be revealed in singing, serving, stewardship, and soul winning. Listen, it's in there, but we've got to reveal it. We've got to not focus on our circumstances. Listen, it's hard to do. I'm with you. I get it. Um, there are times that circumstances are in our face, and, and, and sometimes, you know, the old saying that we, we make a mountain out of a molehill. We, if you get really close to that problem, man, it just looks sky high, and, and, and we need to get our face out of our problems and our circumstances. And as the Bible says in, in Hebrews 2.12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And then it goes on, he says, for the joy that was set before him to endure the cross. Why did, 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 he, did he enjoy the cross? No. He looked past the cross and he saw you and said, that's my joy. That those people can be saved. That those people can have their sins washed away. That they can be born again. And listen, sometimes we've got to look past our problems and past our tribulations and we've got to focus on Jesus because, hey, there is great joy in being a Christian. There is great joy in knowing where we're going to spend eternity. There is a great joy in knowing that, hey, the slate is clean between us and God, and we can walk hand in hand with the, the uh, creator of the universe cares about us. What a great joy that ought to bring in our life. And he will help us, and he will strengthen us, and it will be revealed in our singing, our serving, our stewardship, and our soul winning. We ought to do those things saying, listen, I'm not perfect. Praise the Lord, I know I'm saved. And I know that sometimes things don't go the way I want to, but you know what? God's helping me and God's strengthening me and that I can uh, bring forth joy to other people, not because of me, but because of who God is. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you for the joy of our salvation in all reality, God. What a privilege, what a pleasure, what a joy it is to be saved, to be born again. To know that we will spend all eternity with you. To know that here in this world, in this lifetime, we can hold on to your hand and walk step by step with you. God, I pray that you'd bless each and every person here this morning. Help them, strengthen them. God, I know, we've, I know people have problems. I'm aware of that. God, we have difficulties in this world, but help us not to focus on them, but help us to focus our attention on you. God, help us not to lose sight of you. 
And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. If God spoke into your heart, we'll have a short hymn of invitation. As the piano plays, if God spoke into your heart, the altar is open.